Holy beloved, I greet you all in the name of Jesus. I want to read with you um, a passage today that we are fairly familiar with and, and then share with you what the word says. I'm reading from the gospel according to Matthew 28, verse 11. It reads as follows. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Flowers fade, grass withers, but your word remains forever. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, as we should, we must tell the story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ every year, as we should. In the same way that the Jews tell their Passover story every year, as they should. We must never be tired of the story of the death, the resurrection, that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must tell the story every year. It is an honor and privilege for me to retell this story. It doesn't start here. As you know, it started with a Passover lamp. When God was focusing on a family, he told them, you slaughter and put blood on the doorposts of your homes. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Every family that did what God said was spared death. And then it moved from the family to the entire nation of Israel. When God told them in the book of Leviticus chapter 16 to observe a day of atonement once a year. In other words, they are going to have to go somewhere in Jerusalem, do their rituals, and God will deliver and forgive the entire nation of Israel. And then it moved from the family, and it also moved from the nation, it moved to the entire world. When John says, Behold, I see the lamp that taketh away the sin of man. Now, what we are about to discuss here is a universal issue where God moved from family, from one nation to the entire universe to look at the redemption and the salvation of the entire universe. Beloved, this thing starts on Friday. Jesus hangs on the cross for six hours and dies a brutal death, pretty much abundant, by people he loved, pretty much left alone by people who were following him. I mean, where was the woman with the issue of blood? Where were the two blind people that he gave sight to? 
Where was that guy who was lame, who was dropped into the house and Jesus healed him and forgave his sins? Where were all of these people we read about in the Gospels? Nowhere to be found. But Jesus dies a brutal death, completely abandoned. There were only five people who were there. Four women and, and John. Nobody else was there. Peter wasn't there. All the other guys were not there. Jesus dies a brutal death alone. After he dies, there is no time for rituals. It's three o'clock. Uh, they need to move very, very quickly because if the body is there until the next day, the governor is going to remove the body there and burn it. So, so, so the disciples, and, and not the disciples, the, the women need to move with speed in order to remove the body of Jesus and bury it. There is no time. And the guy called Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and asks for Jesus' body. And Pilate obliges and gives him Jesus' body. They take Jesus' body, they do the basics, and they put it in a tomb on Friday. On Saturday, the elders of the Jews think, oh, there could be a problem here. They rush to Pilate and say to Pilate, you know, this guy had a lot of followers, had a lot of disciples. He is a deceiver. These people may go to the grave and remove his body and tell us his reason. We must just make sure that that does not happen. And Pilate says, okay, that's fine. We're going to do three things to ensure that that doesn't happen. Number one, we're going to put a huge stone in front of the tomb. Put a huge stone in front of the tomb. Number two, we're going to put the seal of the governor in front of the tomb. Number three, we're going to put a soldier to guard the tomb, to make sure that nobody comes and takes his body away. Follow me, beloved. We are going to put three things. We're going to put a stone. We're going to put a seal. We're going to put a soldier. Now, the Bible is full of symbolism. A stone represents a problem or an obstacle. A seal represents power. A soldier represents a person or people. So we're going to put a stone, which represents a problem. We're going to put a seal, which represents power. We're going to put a soldier who is a person. A stone, problem. A seal, power. A soldier, person. Hang in there while I share with you what I think that means. So, beloved, stay with me on this story. So, on, on Saturday, a scheme is being concocted to make sure that Jesus' body does not leave the tomb. Stone, a seal, and a soldier. Stone, a seal, and a soldier. But the story, my brothers and sisters, moves along. On Sunday morning, 
The Bible says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary go to the tomb to do what they could not do on Friday because there was no time. They could not do it on Saturday because it's a Sabbath. They can't do any work. On Sunday morning, the very first opportunity they find on Sunday morning, they rush to the tomb. Long story cut short, they find an angel. The angel says, who you're looking for is not here. Go and tell his disciples that he's risen. Let me show you where he lay. Let me show you where he lay. So they see where he lay. They can see he's not there. The Bible says they are filled with both fear and joy. The Bible says now they must go and tell the disciples they are Jesus Christ shows himself to them. He says, go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. Go tell them. Go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. That's on Sunday morning. He's not in the tomb. He's risen. Isn't it interesting that the stone is gone? The seal is gone. The soldier is gone. Now, where we read, this is where the soldier comes into play. The stone has been obliterated by the earthquake. The seal is gone. The soldier is scared. The soldier goes to report what had happened. The Bible says the soldier told what had happened while the women were on the way. He told the chief priest what happened. The earthquake the extraordinary miracle. The chief priest decides to concoct a reason, to concoct some story about what had happened. But I think what is important, my brothers and my sisters, is that God will roll a stone in your life. God will restrain the power that is in your life. God will remove the soldier in your life. In other words, God will roll away problems in your life. God will restrain the powers in your life. Oh my God. And God will remove in your life people who interfere with your, with your destiny. I have no doubt about it. When we have a problem, as we all do, we are faced with sicknesses and diseases. We are faced with financial challenges. We are faced with relationship challenges. Those are problems. That is a stone. And God can move in our behalf. God can shake the world in order to remove our problems. God shook the world via an earthquake. And the stone, and the stone, the stone rolled away. There are powers, setups that are designed against us. God says no weapon formed against us shall power, shall prosper. No power in this universe can alter your destiny. God will deal with the seal of the governor. God will deal with the powers in your life. God will restrain the devil. God will restrain the powers of this world. And there are people, of course, jealous people, bitter people, envious people in our lives. God can remove them in a life. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus Christ also teaches us about these things, these artificial things, in the spirit world that has been placed there in our way to disturb us. But this story, my brothers and sisters, is about whether or not Jesus rose 
from the dead. Now, the, 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 the God tells the chief priest what happened. And the chief priest says, well, let us give a different report. Let's give a report that he was stolen. There is a report that the women are saying, and there is a report that the chief priest and his people are saying. The women are saying he is risen. We have seen an empty tomb. The chief priest and his people are saying his body was stolen by the disciples. The Bible says this story widely circulated amongst the Jews to this very day. My brothers and my sisters, I want to share with you today that Jesus is risen. If we do not believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, then we have a problem. That's what Paul says. He says we have a big problem. It is a big embarrassment if Jesus has not risen from the dead. I want to share with you three things that prove beyond reasonable doubt that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus was risen from the dead, and that Jesus is alive. Three things, very quickly, my brothers, that I want to share with you that prove beyond reasonable doubt that Jesus was risen from the dead. Stay with me, folks. Beloved, as I said, if there is no resurrection, we have a problem. And here's three things I want to share with you um, as indisputable pieces of evidence of the resurrection. Number one, the women, when they told the disciples, the Bible says the disciples did not believe it. So the disciples themselves did not believe it. And Mark says they ran to the tomb to see for themselves. And they found the grave being empty. So they also saw for themselves an empty grave, an empty tomb with Jesus' body not there. Now here's an issue, my brothers and my sisters. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, if he was not risen from the dead, the question is, where is his body? The, the enemy wanted people to believe that he stole it. Now, if he's stolen, he must be buried somewhere else. And if he's buried somewhere else, where is that body? The enemy, with all of his tools and technology, he can't find the body of Jesus Christ. I mean, with all the archaeology, with all the science, nobody has found the body of Jesus Christ to this day. I mean, they found the Titanic at the bottom of the Atlantic Sea. They found the Terracotta Army of China uh, uh, in 1974. They found the remains of Pompeii. They found the, the, the bunker of, 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 of Hitler. Uh, they found the city of Jericho, but they could not find the body of Jesus. They can find anything, but they cannot find the body of Jesus Christ. If they really, really, really want to prove that the resurrection is a joke, let them show me the body. To this very day, my brothers and sisters, they have not found the body of Jesus Christ. If there's one thing Satan wants, is to disprove the resurrection story. Now, if he wants it so bad <laughs> to disprove it, as he funded and paid the soldiers, let him show me the body. Irrefutable proof number one, nobody has found the body of Jesus Christ because he is risen. If the story is false, 
they will find the body. They found many other interesting things that said there for years, the body they have yet to find. The second one is very interesting, is that between Easter Sunday, between today and the Ascension Day, it took 40 days. It took 40 days. In these 40 days, Jesus showed himself to many different people. So they saw him. They were witness to his resurrection. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think it's from verse 3, he says, my brothers and sisters, this Jesus Christ who I'm preaching, I'm preaching about the Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and was resurrected. And he says, <laughs> he showed himself to Peter. He gives an order of people who saw Jesus. He says he, saw, he showed himself to Peter. And he showed himself to the twelve sitting in one place. He says he showed, he sh no, to the twelve. And then he says he showed himself to the five hundred sitting in one place. And then he says he showed himself to James. And then he says he showed himself to all the apostles, my brothers and my sisters, all the apostles. Then he says, I also saw him. Peter saw him. The 12 saw him. 500 sitting in one place saw him. James saw him. All the apostles saw him. Then I saw him, Paul says. All these people saw him. But here's a kicker. All these disciples, all the apostles, died a horrible death. They were given a choice. You, ref you refute this Jesus that you are preaching about or we kill you. You stop preaching about this Jesus and you leave. They chose death. The Bible says some of them were bent to death. I mean, Matthias who replaced uh, Judas was bent to death. Uh, Andrew and Peter were crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. John was thrown in boiling water. Uh, I think James was decapitated. They all died a gruesome death. They chose to believe what they saw. Now, if this one was a lie, I mean, they would be the first people to tell. But they all chose death. When a group of people carries a conspiracy, as soon as the conspiracy is challenged by violence, people talk. We know in history people talk. As soon as there is violence, there is threat, people talk. But the Bible says all 12 of them, all 12 chose death rather than to refute the resurrection story. The reason is they've seen him. They have seen him and they chose death rather than go with the story that he didn't die. The soldiers chose money. The disciples chose death. Whose report are you going to believe? So number one, my brothers and my sisters, I want to ask, where is his body? You find his body, then I hang off my cross. You find his body, then I know what I've been preaching is a lie. But until today, nobody has found the body. Second point, my brothers and sisters, people were willing to die a gruesome death than to reject the story. Finally, 
the evidence that I want to present to you is about the biggest truth about the resurrection story. And this truth is modeled by a brother named Paul. Now, Paul was a Benjamin. Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was trained by, by the top, top, top rabbis in the Torah and in Judaism. Paul was the man. Paul got a license to kill and crucify these people who believe in resurrection. And one day, the Bible says, while he was on his horse, he met Jesus. And Jesus introduced himself to him and he says, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Long story cut short, Paul was converted from his faith to Christianity. Paul was converted from believing that Jesus was a fraud to believing that Jesus was a king. Now he had a problem. He needed to present himself to the disciples, to the people who believed that Jesus was resurrected. And they doubted him. And he said to them, I once was lost, but now I am found. There was a time where I was blind, but now I can see. But the biggest transformation of all is that this man I met on the road to Damascus, he has changed my life. If there's any evidence about the power of the resurrection story, is that it has changed lives. Millions of people around the world, their lives have been changed. Millions of people who were lost, they have been found. Millions of people who were blind, now they can see. Millions of people who were lost, now they are found. I am testimony. I'm, saving, I'm, I'm giving a testimony myself that there was a time when I did not know him. I know for myself in my life that he has changed my life. For me, there's a personal irrefutable proof that the resurrection story is alive. Where's the body, my brothers and sisters? Why would people die so gruesomely for, this, for a story that they could just easily reject if it was a lie? But when he has done something in your life, you are a witness to the power of his resurrection. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Enjoy Easter. God bless you richly.